the moment you have been waiting for has finally arrived. The day that you've been anticipating for months is here. Finally, you're able to bring home that bundle of joy and you carry it in. You lay it down and you carefully begin to unwrap it. That big screen TV. That TV that, men you've been waiting for for months. And as you unwrap it and you pull it out of its box, there are the instructions. But you don't need instructions because we're men. And you throw it off to the side. We know how to plug in cables. We know how to set up a TV. We don't need instructions. But what about the most important thing in life? not an electronic or an appliance, but our children. They don't come with instructions, do they? They don't have a user's guide. And so how are we going to raise this child? How are we going to know what we ought to do? Have you ever heard of an instruction guide for dads that comes with a, a new baby? And so where do you go for training on how to be a good dad? If you are blessed, you are blessed with a good dad and maybe you learn something about fatherhood from your own dad. But what if you didn't have that model? Where would you go? Perhaps we can learn about being a good dad by looking in the book of Proverbs and seeing how Solomon talks to his son. So if you have your Bibles, be turning to the book of Proverbs. But before we see what Solomon has to say, let's think about what makes a good dad. For many men, being a good dad means being a good provider, making sure that your family is well cared for. And certainly there is a scriptural basis for that belief. After all, Paul writes Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially... For those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so we need to be a good dad and provide for our families to make sure that our family is taken care of. But there are some dads who take that too far and make the accumulation of things become a priority in their lives. And so instead of simply caring for the family, we begin to spend time away from the family. We invest more and more in things other than the family. And so being a good provider is essential. But that alone is not what makes you a good dad. Some dads believe that being a good dad means encouraging the success of their children. And we know who those dads are. Those are the dads who hang out by the dugout. And they encourage their kids sometimes. But sometimes even those dads go too far. Uh, They begin to yell and scream, maybe at the coaches, maybe at the umpires, but some dads even yell at their own children. And they are so enveloped with the idea of their children's success in academics or in business or in sports or in fine arts, although let's face it, not many men are concerned about fine arts. 
But some men are so enveloped in the success of their children that instead of them simply being encouragers for their children, they become overbearing. And instead of them building their children up, they tear their children down. Living vicariously through your children or being simply an encourager for your children may be in many ways a good thing, but that's not what makes you a good dad at least not being an encourager alone. And then, of course, there are those, those dads who are hands-off. These are the dads who have the idea, hey, I helped get it here. Now it's up to mom to take care of it. These are the dads that are always away doing something else, hanging out with friends, going to the bowling alley, going camping, going hunting, spending time everywhere except with the kids because that's mom's job to take care of the kids. Certainly that's not what we think of as we think of a good dad. Often our discussions of fatherhood turn to the idea of fatherless homes. Boy, that's a way to become depressed quickly. As you think about all the negative things that are associated with fatherless homes and the impact that that has on children, and and I've done those kind of lessons in the past. That's not what we intend to do this morning. But what if you don't have the training? by having a model of fatherhood in your own past. I can think in my own life and in my own family and generations gone by that there was an alcoholic father. And no one in the family ever talks about that man. And I was blessed in my own life that that chain, that cycle was broken before I ever came along. But there are some families where that cycle wasn't broken. And if that's the type of family that you grew up in, the question is, how do I know how to be a good dad? Where do I go to train to be a good father for my own children? What is it to be a good dad? Dads, we need to raise our children. And the idea of beginning to know how to raise our children begins with the idea of understanding that our role as a dad is to prepare our kids for life. To equip our children to be adults themselves and to be parents themselves and to be citizens in our country and in our community and how to be productive people in our society. But not just preparing them for this life, but preparing them for eternal life. Preparing them to live spiritual, God-centered lives. As we think about doing that, a dad might very well ask the question, well, can I influence my children in such a way to prevent them from having the heartaches in life? Can I prevent my child, for instance, through my influence, from ever having a bad marriage or, or becoming divorced? And dad, there is no guarantee. Because your child will make all his or her own choices in life. And and their spouse will make his or her own choice in their life. And so we can't guarantee, we can't make these things happen for our children, but we can provide them with guidance and a direction and a path that will at least equip them to make the wisest choices in life. 
someone may ask, if I'm a good dad, does that mean that my son will stay out of jail? And again, there's no guarantees. Again, children make their own choices. But dad, if you're a good dad, you will be able to provide your children with instruction and guidance that if they listen to that and they stay on that, they will avoid the pitfalls of life. We can't live life for our children. That's not our task. Dads, your, your task is prepare your children to know how to make those choices themselves. And so as we look at the book of Proverbs, we find Solomon is concerned for son. And he wants to give advice to his son that will equip his son to make wise choices in life. As we look at the book of Proverbs, we see that Solomon is concerned for his son, and in fact, 23 times he refers or uses the phrase, my son. And another eight times he refers to sons. In this chapter, this book of just 31 chapters. And consider Solomon's reasoning as he writes to his son, he says in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 1, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear a priest in learning, a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Instead, indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments around your neck. Solomon's reason as he writes to his son here in the book of Proverbs is that he wants to prepare his son to have a life principled in the fear of the Lord. He says, son, if you have this as the basis of your life, you will have the wisdom and discretion and understanding to be able to understand the teachings of the wise and to understand their counsel and to have knowledge that will protect you for life. Son, the value of listening to our instruction, the teaching of your mother and your father, based in the principle of having a fear of God is that you will have a good life and that you will have the wisdom to protect you throughout life. And so Solomon is telling his son that parents' teaching is to protect his children. And that's what Solomon is concerned about. Consider what Solomon is concerned about with regard to his son. There are a number of things that we could look, look at throughout the book of Proverbs to find the things that Solomon is concerned about. Chapter 1, we find that he's concerned about his son avoiding bad friends. Chapter 2, it's a pathway to wisdom. 
Chapter 3, that wisdom provides his son with a good reputation. He wants his son to, to, to avoid stumbling and be able to have a life without fear. Chapter 4, he wants his son to understand that wisdom provides a long life. Chapter 5, that it helps him avoid the seductress. Chapter 6, that it helps him avoid financial disaster and that it brings honor to the family. Chapter 23 and verse 15. And finally, that will help him find a good wife. We can't talk about all of these today, but let's just think about four of these things that Solomon is concerned about with regard to his son. He begins in the passage that we've already looked at in chapter 1 and verse 8, a concern for his son to avoid bad friends. Notice again what he says in verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We all shall have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. From their feet, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the bait, the baited net in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. Solomon says, Son, I want you to understand that the instructions, the teachings of your mother and I, they are there. They are something precious. They are something of great value. Hold on to those things. Let them guide you. And don't be enticed by those who would lead you down the wrong path. Dads, you have a responsibility and a role to play in helping your children identify good friends and to make good friends. Sometimes we have a hands-off approach as our children make friends with others they go to school with or others they know throughout the community. And we don't really concern ourselves with it. And yet the influence of their friends can lead them down a dangerous path. Solomon is concerned for who it is that his son will befriend. He says, don't go down the path with the evil, with the wicked. Dads, let me ask you a question. Are you able to give the name of your son's best friend? Or of your daughter's best friend? Do you know the types of things that your son or daughter's friend enjoy doing? The activities that they're involved in? You need to know those things. And if you see your children beginning to befriend those who would lead them down the wrong path, you need to do everything you can to help your son or daughter avoid that path and avoid those friendships. Better yet, you need to help your sons and daughters know how to make friends with those who are good and with those who will lead them down a right path. Solomon was concerned that his son would avoid bad friends. 
But he also wants his son to understand that if he listens to his instruction, it will help him have a good reputation. Notice what he says in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Solomon says, Son, I'm giving you these instructions and I'm giving you this training so that you will understand that by these things you can have a good life, a peaceful life, a happy life. And then if you take the values I'm giving you and and setting your feet on a path in which you are following these things and practicing kindness, practicing honesty, Everyone you meet will admire you. You will have a good reputation with man and with God. And that will provide you with a good life. Solomon was concerned with the reputation that his son would develop. And he says, son, I'm giving you these instructions so that you will know how to develop, how to develop a good reputation. Dads, you need to help your children understand the importance of kindness and honesty and how to develop a good reputation so that others will look up to your sons and daughters. Solomon says, listening to his instruction and his wisdom that he's providing his sons will help his sons have a good life and a long life. Notice chapter 4, verse 10. Hear my son and accept my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded. And if you run, you will not stumble. It goes on to say in verse 20, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them. And health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead, and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right, nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Solomon says, Son, I want you to understand that the instructions that I'm giving you, the things that I'm saying to you, if you will listen to those things and follow those things, they will help you have a happy life and a long life. They will help you avoid stumbling in life. Don't depart from the path I'm setting you on, son. Remember what it is to have a life principled in the fear of the Lord and keep your focus on that. Finally, Solomon is concerned with his son's wife and his his son finding a godly woman to be his wife. In chapter 31 of Proverbs, Solomon concludes his great work with something that he didn't teach per se, 
or that didn't originate with him, we should say, but actually came from the mother of another king, King Lemuel. Solomon records the teaching of King Lemuel's mother in Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 1. It says, The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. There are many scholars who believe that King Lemuel is not an actual person, but rather that Solomon is speaking figuratively because the name Lemuel means one who delights in the Lord or one whose heart is loyal or devoted to the Lord. And as Solomon is preparing his son and perhaps his sons to someday be king over Israel, he's wanting his sons to know how to live life with wisdom so that they can lead God's people. And he says, son, I want you to know there's no greater thing that can thwart you from being a great king from having a heart devoted to God than who it is that you will marry. And so in Proverbs chapter 31, Solomon speaks of an excellent wife and he describes things that quite frankly would be hard for any one individual, whether man or woman, to accomplish. And as he gets done with that discussion, he concludes his work with verses 30 and 31. Notice what he says. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Son, the most valuable thing that you can find in life is a woman who fears God, a godly wife. Isn't it interesting that Solomon begins this great work giving instructions to his sons by reminding them that a life principled and centered around the idea of the fear of the Lord, looking to God, seeking God, centered on God, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and a good life. And he concludes his work by saying, Son, the greatest thing that you can do in your life, other than the things I've already told you, is to find a wife whose life is centered in the fear of the Lord. A wife, a spouse, who has the same values, is headed in the same direction that you are headed and that you want to go. None of us want our children to enter a bad marriage or to have a broken home or to have a a, a bad relationship. And yet how many of us prepare our children when they are young with the thought that the greatest thing they can do outside of becoming a Christian is to find a godly spouse. And I know there are dads who have tried to do that and there are people who have tried to choose a godly spouse and they end up marrying someone who they think is a godly person and it turns out that that person is a scoundrel and is worthless and a cheat and a whole bunch of other things. But just like we said 
A child will make his or her own choices. So it is that our spouse will make his or her own choices. And it's possible that we do everything right and we still find someone who makes a choice that will tear up the home. but is much less likely to happen. And we have much greater odds for having a strong marriage when we enter that marriage because our mind and our focus has been set on finding a godly spouse. Sometimes we joke about, for those of you who are dads with daughters, that when your daughter has her first date and that young man comes over to the house, it's just going to so happen that that's the day you clean your shotgun, right? I know Jay's already got his ready. So does Chris. Yeah, I imagine most of you do. And we joke about that, but the reality is, dads, you need to prepare your sons and your daughters to select a godly spouse, a godly mate. And you can't do that when they're 16 or 17. It has to start when they're much younger. Plant the seed of the value of selecting a godly spouse now when they are young. So dads, we need to be diligent. If we're going to be able to provide the instructions and the teachings for our children like Solomon says that he gave to his sons. Dad, that begins by modeling spirituality. Your sons and your daughters, they need to see you reading the scriptures daily. They need to see you praying daily. They need to hear you speaking the words of a prayer. And they need to see that your faith is real. They can't just see you reading the scripture or even praying and and doing those things and then turning around and doing something contrary in your life. Making choices that say that God's not important to you in your entertainment and the things that you see the things that you say, and the places that you go. They need to see that your Christianity is real and authentic. They need to see you involved in the work of the church. They need to see you involved doing God's work. And that it's not just something that you speak about, but that it is something that you do. They need to see you model spirituality. Dads, your sons and daughters need to see that you demonstrate a love for your wife. She is the greatest relationship in your life. She is the first relationship in your life. If your sons want to have a happy marriage, they will treat their 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 wives with love and respect. They will cherish her. They will nourish her. And the only way that they're going to learn that is by watching you with your wife. And in the same way, if you want your daughter to be treated or know how to find a man who treats his wife with love and respect and nourish her and cherishes her, and that she's going to know how to expect and anticipate those things is if she sees you model that with your own life. Finally, Dad, you need to train your children. Remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The idea of discipline and instruction is not a one-time punishment when they do wrong. It's not a one-time event. Rather, it is a series of events throughout their life in which you are training your children much like an athlete trains by practice and doing things over and over again until he's ready 
for the big event. And so dads, you need to train your children. Your thought needs to be, how can I develop my children to be godly people and equip them for life? And if we do that, then dad, you will be a good dad. If you're here this morning and you want to enter a relationship with God the Father by being united with Jesus in baptism, united into His death, burial, and resurrection, and crucify that old body of sin, you can do that now as together we stand and sing.